Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ed. And this is Create a Generation. Create a Generation of Hype. Hey, Lee, what have you done with Fred? Fred is buried in my backyard. I don't know why I went there again. (laughs) (laughs) That's the second take. Fred's not here today. If you haven't gathered, we've got Lee, who works with us at Create a Generation. You've been on the show a couple times, once as a guest. But this week, who have we got on our podcast? Well, this week we have String. I am here to help others reach their peak creativity, to find their voice so they could be trusted and they can live their own peak creativity. String is someone who is super fun, super exciting, super knowledgeable, and she's here to teach everyone how to unleash their inner fried chicken. Before we get started, we've been working really hard in the background on our own online course called Changer College, the online college just for content creators. Check it out at changercollege.com that's c-h-a-n-g-e-r college.com let's get into it let's get into it this week on creative generation we're joined by string can i just call you are you one name now i think i should own it right (laughs) (laughs) people are like what we're joined by string why why am i calling you string Okay, so many (laughs) questions and layers. My latest claim to fame is that I'm a three times top voice on LinkedIn, meaning that there are 650 million professionals and users on LinkedIn. I'm considered the top 300 worldwide, three times in a row. And I've only been on LinkedIn three times (laughs) in the last three years, actually. What? Yeah, I've only been active on LinkedIn for the last three years. Nuts. Does everyone know you as String or does anyone know your real name? Yeah, you know what? I fucked up on my Gmail. <laughs> Why? Because, <laughs> like, I tried to change it and you wouldn't let me. Like, G- Gmail has Suzanne? Yeah. I've said it now, so if you didn't want anyone to know, now everyone knows. It's, it's fine like, and it's part of branding story anyway. But, like, you know, I fucked up on my Gmail so everyone knows and it confuses them, but then it, it's also, like, me telling them my brand story. So it works out both ways. Tell us your brand story because yeah. I think as, long as, as well as associating it with chicken, now we have to associate you with string. String, yeah, I know. And I have, like, cool names like string story, like string theory, you know, strings theory or fried chicken. Like, that's going to be a book for sure. Like, or strings fried chicken story. To get one I did, like, I went very meta. Anyway. You always um, do. Here it is. This is the real string where things start really really meta. I like it. It confuses yeah, the like, shit out of me, but hey. Sorry, I know you're going to tell the origin stories, but um, you, <laughs> we were having dinner once after VidCon, I think last year, and um, you were mentioning uh, tattoos and meta tattoos. Is are you? Is that part of your, your public story? Yeah, a little bit, but like or it's not. less about being Asian and stuff because I do have, um, you know, like if you, if you see on my camera, I have quotation marks, and those quotation marks is reference to what I do. And, and being a creative, it's all about connecting people, time, and place together. So that's how String Story came about. And like after I quitted my job as an interior designer. Let's actually let's track back because mm. I always start with my mum because I think this is a homish my mum. She's amazing. She's awesome and she's my hero. Um, she's Vietnamese and she escaped the war in Vietnam by herself and met my dad along the way. And uh, she came to Australia almost alone, pretty much. Um, and but she was illiterate. So her own story is that she's a kid of like nine or eleven kids. I have to double check those numbers sometimes. But 
she's as the oldest, she didn't go to school because she farmed so she could get the money for her siblings to go to school. For her, education is super important. It's her way of getting out of poverty. But so she couldn't get to school. So she made sure that um, my siblings, five of us, went to school as a single mum too. Um, so I feel like of like um, adapting, being resourceful, doing what you need to do to get shit done came from her. And uh, my curiosity came from like just hanging out in Google. I mean, not in Google per se, like at the library. So she couldn't afford childcare. And the library was a place where I could delve into my curiosity. I went and hang out with Sigmund Freud, romance novels, picture books, Greek methodologies, you name it. I just like read a lot. And that's like my version of Google. And if I didn't know something, I just will find the next person or ask like questions from experts because I have no fear because I just want to learn things. And and I realized like um, when I I had to graduate like as a uni- um went to university because I made my mum happy because then she could go brag around to my aunties and <laughs> my uncles that I graduated. And I graduated um, technically from both sides of the family. I was a probably one like top three or something like that, that graduated from university. and But among my mum's side of family, I was the only one who has a university degree. So that was, like, something really important. And they always asked me, like, what do you do? Like, why don't you get a stable income? But that was never me. Um, and that's when I became an artist. But within two years, I kind of knew it wasn't sustainable enough. And I knew that the internet and videos was the next thing. So I jumped onto that. And that's how, like, my, my career as a content creator started Super. and string and string came along because like as an artist like i had like a like a series of string installation so i kept a call in string story and that's where my social handles kept on um with all my social assets is string story and people kept on calling me string so that's how string came to be there's not two different personas there's not string and is is there string and suzanne or is there is it are you are you one and the same well, like Suzanne is like what people call me professionally. So it's like, oh, you're one of those types. You want to like keep it professional. So if anyone calls me Suzanne, I know they want to keep it pro. Mm. But if they want to click close to me, like they call me Susie. If they call me String, it's like, oh, you're likely you're 100% from LinkedIn. You are, you're like um, Clark Kent and Superman. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like kind of the same. Like it, I'm really awkward in real life, like an awkward troll. <laughs> so what do you do? What's your jam? I'm a content creator. Like if I have to describe my vision for the world, it's to increase creative vibes in the world. And I'm always looking for ways to reach peak creativity. Such a big thing to be aiming for. Hey, String, we right? met many years ago randomly, I think Indy Tansy, who shout out to Indy, if you, she better be listening. If not, I'll yeah. send it to you, Indy, so you are listening. She introduced us and I don't know why other than the fact it was just like, let's just meet some really interesting rad people who are trying to do similar things by helping creativity and content out in the world. And ever since, I don't know, that was like five, maybe six years ago, we sort of keep crossing paths in really different ways. Um, And one of them, speaking of LinkedIn, was you were about to do a talk, I think at the very, very first VidCon in Australia, and it was meant to be about Snapchat. And... I don't know if it was like the day before or the week or two weeks before you went, you know, stuff is Snapchat stuff. LinkedIn is huge and I'm going to talk about that. And sorry, VidCon, um, 
too late, but I'm changing my mind halfway through. Is, is... I, you know, actually, um, emailed Jim the day beforehand. Like, Jim, I feel like I'm on to this new trend right now, so I'm going to switch it up. Can I? And he's like, go for it. So I was in there expecting Snapchat, but link, I think LinkedIn video had just come out, and you were like smashing it. You're like number one it. on LinkedIn video or something. Is that? Well, so because I was like doing really well on Snapchat. And usually when I double down on platforms and Snapchat was a platform that I was doubling down on, but but I was like going back to Australia and I realized it was super hard to monetize because a lot of companies can't ju- justify the cost or don't see the ROI on Snapchat. And I was debating switching over to a different platform and I noticed that Instagram was growing. And But the day that I wanted to switch over to Instagram was the day that LinkedIn like literally went... Hey String, we love your Snapchat videos and you're awesome on videos. Would you like to be a beta for videos on LinkedIn? Of course I said yes. And at the time when LinkedIn it was like only had 300 million users, but I was like I doubled down on video because of very few people. Let's be honest, a lot of professionals are shit content creators. <laughs> and Harsh and I added true. my own pardon? Harsh but true. Hash, what it is. That's how I stood out so dramatically on there because I had a bit of business flair. I know my shit and I had a personality. I don't wear a mask. I'm super authentic. And that's something quite compelling for a lot of professionals. And I rocked up creating videos. Even Like I became a channel within a month on LinkedIn. Like you, you sort of alluded to it, but what, what type of content were you creating then? How to be a storyteller or how to use videos on LinkedIn. And then eventually, because I'm, is that I talk about how to hack LinkedIn because that's like a thing that I notice do well in channel um, platforms, like Meerkat on Meerkat, Snapchat on Snapchat. Then I decided to go all in on LinkedIn on LinkedIn. It's really interesting that, you, you know, you, you sort of went to this, you know, professional networking site or traditionally professional networking place and double down with video and not your like you know not your stock standard corporate video type content quite entertaining personality driven you know no bullshit kind of fun why linkedin though i still you know you still look at it and you go like why why that platform in that way other than no one else is really there doing it well. Like, what, what, what is it about LinkedIn that? Because, like, think about it, 650 million users and only 3 million apparently or less than 3 million are creating weekly content, original weekly content. And that, which means, like, if I create videos and people enjoy it or become a channel, like a YouTube approach on to LinkedIn, I'm going to have an audience that, I could monetize really. <laughs> At the end of the day, I want to monetize like my brand and influence. And I noticed like a gap in the marketplace and people seem to consume my content. Like I'm gone back to written piece and I'm looking at a product and a startup now. Uh, I'm planning to go back onto video because my video allows me to contain and attra- like amplify my personality. And I realize I need to go back on video because I have such a, an awesome vibe that people want to watch that vibe. And especially now because COVID-19 lockdown, people are looking for good energy right now. Mm. 
it's it's a similar idea of of any other video platform. You you sort of want to build your audience and build your brand and and everything else around that. And there's an ultimate goal of leveraging that to something to some end. How does that? Is it different on LinkedIn to a creator on YouTube or Snapchat or, or Instagram? Is that or is it just Actually, the audience is different, but the strategies are in terms of the overall strategy? It's, it's a similar similar game. I just did a bit of an analysis on the funnel system on LinkedIn, and there's three approaches on LinkedIn that I've noticed. One is static; it's a resume. People just upload their resume there. Because LinkedIn is traditionally a place for your CV. You show your expertise, you find a job, right? So that's a static approach. And that's like the traditional way of using LinkedIn. And the second approach is what I'm doing right now. I became a channel. What it is, is like I noticed that uh, step one is like I create content, people check out my profile, and that's like my landing page. It's like a website, uh, where I could like tell people who I am and it leads them to my offerings and to my website or product. And, and then what happens is people follow, engage, consume, and the, so, um, the cycle repeats itself. They consume my content, they check out my profile, they buy something, they check out what I do. And um, he, felt, he thought, like, here's some numbers just to contextualize it. I have 39,000 followers 5,000 first connections. Um, my profile visits is about 6,000 or 7,000. Um, and like if you talk about money lead-wise, I jumped onto calls like 10 in the last two days and I booked another 10 for the next week. Wow. All because of LinkedIn. Is that, Those are pretty good numbers, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't think so. Well, <laughs> <pretty smart. laughs> yeah, but like, but a lot of people don't realize like a profile is a landing page. It's a dynamic piece of content that sells you and sells what you're offering. Is the challenge in this space though that you know, you, you, like a lot of people aren't innately good at creating this type of content on LinkedIn? You yeah, uh, <laughs> or, I'm looking... or is there? Can people learn the skill to to maybe not to the level that you're going to, but to build? their own profile whether it's um for lead generation or for you know to get that next job branding is all about positioning and perception and the last couple of days i just went through everyone's resume it's like the first thing that i asked them is like what do you want to be known for how do you want to position yourself and i get it it's because like i get an essay is because like people don't know how to position themselves so they feel like that they need to tell a story but they don't know how to position themselves in one line it's like a YouTube channel, right? Uh, when you enter to a YouTube channel, you know what you're getting. It's like, hey, my name is String. I'm going to teach and talk. My channel is about how to make you better on LinkedIn or how to mark yourself better. So that's like two A-B testing value prop that I'm still testing out onto YouTube channel. But literally on LinkedIn, I'm your go-to guide, your trusted guide to LinkedIn marketing and personal branding. So people follow me for those like things. Um, and lot, that's like my value prop to the world. And that's how I want to be perceived and be known for like fried chicken stuff. But a lot of times, a lot of people just need to know the clarity and back that up with their resume, the way they message themselves, with the way they create content. It's all about reinforcement. Hey, String, can we just touch on that, that fried chicken piece? <laughs> um, so this, for people who don't know, you had this goal of 
eating fried chicken all around the world. Is that that's where this started? Yes, it did. Like, um, I traveled quite a lot, and it became a thing because um, my marketers, who are way more awesome in marketing, told me I should double down on fried chicken because they think it's like a funny piece. And now, like, my goal for every piece, um, my KPI, funny enough, is like how many fried chicken stories I get per day. Wait, what do you mean get stories? People message me to talk about fried chicken with me or like when's my next fried chicken party. So I get a lot of gifts as well. People send me fried chicken, mobile, like pins, pillows. If you like, like I'm showing my pillow right now, a fried chicken pillow. And this is, was given by a friend. People literally give me fried chicken stuff. Like you really lent into the fried chicken thing as this personal branding. Did that, what came first? Like, me eating fried chicken or the And then like you know, you said the marketers said, Hey, you should sort of stand out a bit more with this, but like how did that feel? Like you you're putting yourself out on, you know, LinkedIn and, and Snapchat, like these platforms, but LinkedIn is like the professional one and you're turning up and you're talking, you're speaking at events and stuff and you're like, I'm the fried chicken girl. Like how did well, that I feel? I didn't I didn't even call like I'm the fried chicken girl. People refer me as the fried chicken girl. <laughs> but I just tell like, hey, if you need to know anything about me, I really like fried chicken. So, and then I put like a, I play a, a exception game on onto them, right? I plant a seed. So every time you think of fried chicken, you think of me. So when they see KFC, they see or eat a piece of fried chicken, they go think of me. Can you dive a bit more into like why something like that is useful for a creator? Well, it's because at the end of the day you want people to reach out to you or connect to you on a relatable point. And I realize like the power of personal branding is people want permission to reach out to you. So you need to give them touch points so they could connect with you. Do you see other creators, like looking in the creator sphere, do you see other creators and they have like the, there's that thing there and you're like, do you feel like yelling at them? Lean into that, be the donut person or the, like, is it that simple or how, how does it sort of? It's usually a tagline or something that like, you know, I knew that was you because like, um, you know, your glasses helped with that because of visual cues. Like, um, I guess like this is probably a good segue to share my seven Vs or pres- personal branding influence. Um, and like uh, the first one is your vision. It's like, what is your vision for the world? And you know mine. Mine's to increase creati- peak creativity in the world. And the second one is your values. Like there's two types of values. Your personal values because it helps with your decision and it protects you as well. But it also attracts like-minded people. So, you know, like a tribe works for a reason because you have common core values that you share together. Um, and your the other value is like what's your business value? Because I'm always about business because at the end of the day, if you're a content creator, don't you want to build a sustainable lifestyle where you can be yourself and be the best person and the best creative ever? And um, the third one is your Vogue, which is like a German word for people, you know, Volkswagen, mm. um, people for the cars. So I want to like, and it sounds like folks, right? The more you know who your audience is or your people are or who you want to serve, the more that you attract them. And that's the thing about marketing. You're not meant to be one. You just need to be popular with the people that care about your shit and you care about their shit. Then your voice, you know, you have your key messages, your core topic pillars, your tone of voice. Like mine's like a bit quirky, but very technical apparently. I'm very geeky, but I'm, I have a sense of humor. Like 
if you if you hang out with me long enough, you notice like I'm a bit of a troll. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, and I actually, I can't wait for me to get haters because people read my comments and I like to throw shade at them, whether it be fried chicken shade or just like go back reinforcing back my messaging. So I actually, it's not that I don't like haters or ha- dislike haters or want to embrace haters. It's, it's just me just like doing a really like Jedi move where I reinforce my messaging. <laughs> Jedi, like, so you're like, you want to hear my messaging and they're like, yes, we want to hear your messaging. Oh, it's because people read and people love seeing fights. People love seeing train wrecks as well. And I had like one person when I wrote the on my LinkedIn and he says, like, be careful. It's like a very Nazi term and Jews might get upset about it. And I was about to like, I left it for a day and that person, um, I left it for a day, but guess what? I came back a day later to respond back to it. But my vokes came in and said, like, I'm a Jew, but I, I give strength the green light. So I had people arguing with this guy for me. That's very cool. It is. And that's because they love fried chicken. And you could tell like who are my fried chicken fans because they've dropped emoji fried chickens as well. So that's why I knew that fried chicken was my thing because it's like, it's like an in-joke between my people now, all my folks. And going on, like segue into, um, we had the vision, the values, the vogue, the voice. And then this is where the visual is, which is probably the hardest because people superficially, people like our face, like, you know, YouTubers like put their face out there because on their thumbnails because they know that their logo is their face, their brand is their face. And for me, I just put fried chicken because <laughs> it's fun and it's silly. How much is, like, you're, you know, you're in, you're in, you think about all of these different aspects really deeply and it's super cool. Um, and it's a, like a level of thought that a lot of creators have, like sort of probably innately have, but they haven't like, document like they can't you know document it explicitly and sort of build around that how much of it is like organically yourself and how much of it is that you sort of analytically go look at look at what you're doing um in every interaction that you have it's more like creative and i see it's like me when i first started creating content oh and just going back there's also validation your goals and your victory how do you make money from this all and um and I just going to your point, um, like when I first started, I was like throwing shit out the wall to see what sticks. And I call it the vomit stage as well. Cause you don't, when you first start out, you don't know what works, right? So I'm, I'm still, but when things work, you have to double down on things. And because I'm very analytical or not analytical enough, I had to learn to see what works and what doesn't work. So I spent probably the last, like, the first two years when I was creating content just, like, vomiting shit. <laughs> what's, what's that like, though, like, throwing stuff out? the fe- Like, you know, is that scary that something is, like you said, you know, vomiting all that bunch of shit out there? It, it, obviously, some of it is going to be shit and some of it's going to be gold. But how, how, do you, how do you take that leap to just throw stuff out? I see it as a strength more than anything else because it's not scary. It's just me just like learning things. Lee, what about you? You know, like um, you're more in the background um, on a lot of the uh, creative generation and changes stuff, but more and more you're sort of coming into the forefront and we, we run a bunch of YouTube events and, um, you know, we're on, we're on a podcast and YouTube and stuff like that. How do, like, how do you feel getting up in the limelight? Yeah, well, I mean, look, the good thing about – having the 
editing power is that I can shape these into whatever I like. So that's that's a good thing. Um, but in terms of, I mean, so you mean in relating to what Sturing has just said? I mean, for know, me, for me, it's partly terrifying. You stand in front of a microphone, you meet really interesting people, and then you broadcast it all across the internet. Um, luckily, I don't like I don't press go on the upload. You do. If I did, I, yeah. I would I'd I'd probably back and forth between the computer and pressing live twenty it, times it, before I'd hit yeah. it. Yeah, I'm thinking about some of those seven points that String mentioned, and we've talked talked about it quite a lot when we talk about you know YouTubers as being authentic. And so I equate it to when you make a, a new friend. So let's just say you go to a new job, or you know if you're in school, you go to a new school, and you know everyone's trying to put their best self forward, and sometimes that comes across as really inauthentic, and you can get into trouble that way so i think number one be as authentic as you can and if you go in there being genuine and you put yourself out there so you hit that you know publish button yeah there's going to be some people that don't like you there's also going to be some people that like you for who you are and i think as long as you're confident in who you are and you have some self-awareness knowing that you might grate some people the wrong way and sometimes you know that might make you feel kind of crappy but you know the people who really like you and you say well they like me for who I am I think if you have that in your mind and have that sort of positive mindset I think it gives you more confidence to hit publish and just say just like you are when you go into a new school or a new job I'm just going to be me and the people who like me great I'm going to gravitate towards them and engage with them and the people who don't oh that's fine they don't have to um, so that's kind of how I think about these kind of things I mean it's you know all you can do is be yourself and you know what will happen will happen well, that's pretty good hey I've got a question for string Go for it. String, you've got a website, The Trusted Voice. Yes. I mean, the website actually says helping coaches build and grow and scale their personal brand. So are you focusing then on people who are coaching? Well, uh, actually, you know, as a startup, we always have to be agile. And I realized like the people who actually joined are kind of coaches, but not. They're experts and leaders, I notice. So you mainly focus on uh, the people who are doing the leading versus the people who are being led? Or do you do a bit of both? I feel like um, so far with the people who brought into the course or the membership, I should say, because I don't believe in courses Yeah. because I believe in supporting and accountability. That's why I switch over to membership model and it's better recurring as well. It, because like I realized like people want to lead and one of my members says it eloquently. It's like there's all, there's leadership within us, but also I believe that we're all experts in something. Um, so like, but it's also like a dealing with the imposter syndrome, right? Like if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. Mm. Have you experienced that at all? Of course. Like I lived in Australia and I'm an Asian woman. But do you mean that you've had sexism and racism? Of course. Like people, (laughs) that's totally another story. I deal with that all the time, but lately less so because people don't, treat me like a cute Asian chick anymore, but they treat me like an expert in authority now. That's good. I don't know why I'm sounding surprised. Like I'm so surprised that sexism and racism exist. It's always just so disappointing when you hear it. I think it's just reminded of it. But um, I mean, has it ever been a roadblock for you? Is it something that you've had to really, um, I'm guessing the answer is probably yes, but something that you've had to work extra hard to overcome and focusing on the stuff that does matter, which is of course what you stand for? Oh, uh, so like, and to ask about tattoos before, like, and my other tattoo that I have has B1 in reference to my Asian Australian identity. You know, bananas in pajamas. Oh. Bananas in pajamas. But it'd be awkward if I have a banana image. So I did a script writing of B1. 
are you willing to explain that or just do you want to leave that hanging as oh, a no. mystery and let no. you know, everyone like, can, think... uh, can, can share <laughs> in, right in and you explain know. what they think that means because bananas in pajamas is very Australian right so like I'm just referencing to my Asian Australian identity anyone who doesn't know bananas in pajamas are two human-sized bananas that live together b1 and b2 and they wear stripy pajamas and they go on little adventures together for it's a kid show um, it's with three teddies as well and they have teddy bear friends that's right and so like i'm very meta like with my life and i guess like what i'm trying to say is like I, at the time when i was younger i had to deal with that first mm. before i like um understand who i was as a person and i really put emphasis on that to the point where it became a barrier and a lot of my asian australian friends is like how did you get over that it's like when you put so much power into that, what you're doing is giving it power. And that's important because it, it, cause they, that will become a trigger, right? So when I people, like, forget, like, you know, call me the wrong name or think I was Diana, for example, who's, like, Diana Yuen on LinkedIn as well, I laugh now because you can't control people's ignorance or biases. And you two are, like, Diana's been on the show and you two are very, very different people, Um She's dancing Diana. Like, that's her her thing as well. Like, yeah, very interesting. Um, so you you sort of don't give it power? Is that what you mean? Yeah, and if you give it power and then everything that comes your way, you have to be a champion for it. And that means, like, sometimes you get sensitive by something, like, really low. Like, people don't mean intentionally, but also I think, um, you know, like, there's technical terms called passive-aggressive or where like, oh, microaggressions where they they think all Asians look alike. Or, you know, in my case, like, I think all white guys look alike. You know, Lee and Ant, you look the same. Totally. Long-flowing <laughs> <laughs> hair. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just got, I'm a, I'm a longer-haired version of Lee. I, I get it. It's all good. <laughs> and I used to get upset about so, like, little things, and people call it being sensitive, but I realised, like, you can't control people's behaviour, but what can control is your mindset and the way you deal with situation. And that's because of that resilience that I could handle that shit comes my way from like weird messages, people um, asking like, you know, taking my clothes off when I was on Snapchat to dick pics on Snapchat to like uh, on LinkedIn when people try to like say I'm really cute and stuff like that. And I just laugh at them and say, you know, what's cute fried chicken. <laughs> I don't mind. So you're actually, I mean, the other thing Hang I was on, wait, Before you go in, Lee, I've got a really very important question. Okay. <laughs> what's the dick pic game like on LinkedIn then? Really little. A uh, little. You know, <laughs> yeah, like I probably didn't get it. A lot of girls ask me, it's like, how come you don't get all those like weird comments? It's like, yeah, because I don't add random fucks. <laughs> oh, so you mean that the dick pics are little, not the actual dick pics are <laughs> <is> little. <laughs> you know, it's like this reminds me of our dinner time at VidCon. <laughs> it got filthy I real fast. Go Sorry. Oh. <laughs> but I think, I, I think there's also that thing where it's like, I'm really protective of about who I want to connect with. And also it's all about perception, right? It's in um, guys overperceive, women underperceive. So if you're giving guys the green light sometimes, they think that you have that you're giving them permission to like give them stupid shit or like open up with weird, creepy conversations. So I learned about that very early on because life is all about um, me surviving as a ninja the isms, being a woman, 
like looking young for my age, like all these like barriers, I just learned how like um, deflect it and see it for what it is and use it for my advantage now. That's because you're actually a 75-year-old woman, even though you look very young, String. Yes, I am 75. <laughs> it, it is interesting, though, that you say that because men, I mean, I know I'm generalizing here, but we are dogs. And it's, you're actually quite right. I mean, the minute Whoa. that we think, well, the minute <laughs> so that we think. So much going to come at us, but yeah. Hey, I think this is important. This is a good, good, good conversation because strings opened it up. Please. The minute that we think we have a green light, you're right. We just absolutely dive in like, oh, she's interested in me when she's just being friendly, like a hello from a girl. And a guy's like, well, she said hello. She wants a piece of this. And yes. it's just so ridiculous. Yes. People said you could dress whatever way you like, mm-hmm. but just letting you know, like you can't control people's perception. Well, the thing I was going to say before is that on your uh, Trusted Voice website, it's interesting because it is a business website and you are promoting you know, your um, brand, but you're also really quite personal on there. I mean, you, you really you tell your, your journey and your story on the website. So obviously being authentic and actually sharing yourself as a, as a person comes to the front before you even get into really the business side of it? Is that so that you get people to get to know you and therefore you're, you're sort of building trust that way? Is that, yes. is that the strategy behind that? Yeah. Um, it, there's always like, at the end of the day, like what I realize is like my role is to act as support and to help push that second voice, that evil second voice in people's head, like the imposter syndrome, the, the like inner chat where it's like, don't do that. Like people like think you're weird. Don't do that. Like, you know, you go, um, do I sound weird? Um, do I look weird? Uh, do, you know, it's all about perception, right? And so if the battle, it starts with inside of us most of the time. And what I do is like, I help push that voice out and just let, um, and validate what they're doing. And is that why if you share and be, you know, share a bit of yourself in your journey and be vulnerable yourself, you're leading by example and encouraging others to do the same? Yes. And also, it's also like funny because like, um, people don't really resonate with stats, but people resonate with like, can I see the most common question I get these days is how did you get started? It's because they want to see that story inside themselves. Can I do what she does? So you get this, when people ask that question, really what they want to know is like, how can I get started? Can anyone do this? Or is it, a, is it an individual? Some, some, some people can, some people can't. Well, like I think like, I'm on the extreme side, so I don't expect people to be an epic content creator like me. Like, it's also like when you look at the the most popular YouTubers in the world, they're like probably in the one percentile. Yep. But but I give really realistic uh, point of views. It's like, hey, um, it's doable. Just know that it's going to be hard work, and you just need to maintain a certain frequency more than anything else. Would you say that by doing what you're doing, your career, your trajectory, your journey, your path, would you say that you're fulfilling the purpose that you've always wanted to? Like, is this, is this your purpose? Is this why you think you were put on this earth to help people do this? Yeah, pretty much. I am here to help others reach their peak creativity, to find their voice so they could be trusted and they can live their own peak creativity. Do you have a particular success story where you've helped someone achieve something great and you think, wow, that was like, I really, this is why I do this? Diana Nguyen, like Diana and I have a long history together. And it's just from my first case study. I think it started seven years ago almost. Like that's how long our relationship is when she did the first Feed Me and I saw her do her first Feed Me. And then we jumped onto crowdfunding and then we went 
the web series. I was there, but I, it's almost like I was a lay version. I wasn't very um, at the front. Um, I was there to help, help support her dreams and get the funding that she needed so she could get shit done as well. Um, I sort of mentioned it before, but check out the episode we've we've got, we recorded with Dinah. It's very interesting. And um, since that time, she's been really going gangbusters as well. Like uh, COVID-19 came and she's, you know, had some live comedy shows coming up part of Melbourne International Comedy Festival that all got cancelled, but very, very, and she was doing a whole bunch of live comedy shows, but very, very quickly she's sort of um, taken the, I, I guess, a, a positive sort of approach um, and, and done some interesting things around online content um, and creating uh, revenue streams through that way and, and keeping things engaged and happening. It's, it's quite interesting. So check out the podcast, but then check out what Diana's doing at the moment um, with the Snortcast comedy. Very kind of fun and interesting and, and a really awesome array of sunshine when in, during the whole COVID lockdown. Yeah, I've seen her shows. They're funny. It's um, funny. See, I'm a fan of hers. I love Diana. She's hilarious. Um, and the snort is, is fantastic. And I guess just with... Um, like with the like, Dana's got this, you know, dancing Diana, and and, and the, this, you know, when she laughs, she snorts. Is that was that is that kind of the the same uh, feeling? Yeah, I told her she should snort more and embrace a snort. So that's that's her fried chicken. Is that? Yeah, that's definitely her fried chicken. More so than dancing, her snort is her thing. <laughs> I told her not more, and I think she has because people they giggle too with her. Like it's a reaction, right? Yeah. So it's like a reinforcement reaction. Every time they hear a snort, they giggle. And that, doesn't that create a, a beautiful memory with her? Brilliant. And, and then, an yeah. association too. And then the reinforcement with, you know, like you with the fried chicken, she's there with the little snout emoji and the dancing. The dancing. I, I, yeah. I, every time I see the, the dancing girl emoji, I think of dancing Diana. I don't think of that. That's the emoji in name in my head now so yes um, yes it's very powerful stuff it is and i think everyone has that technique it's just like reinforcement i think a lot of people don't reinforce enough so string what would what would uh lee's fried chicken be mm, i have i haven't <laughs> hung out with him enough to see it but it's like but if anything it's always like um he's got a very dry sense of humor right and i think he's a champion for something but i haven't found what it is you uh, and it's definitely your hat and long hair. <laughs> I'm not wearing the hat today. Um, um, right, long hair. But it's like the trucker hat is like your style. So if anything, I probably encourage you to wear trucker hats and have, and even wear trucker hats with your branding on it. With my face. Or more like uh, <laughs> the company you work for. It's yeah. like yeah. I actually, I um, we had a couple of creator generation trucker hats. They were very limited edition, and I, I gave mine away. I'm regretting that. Matt Tabor has it over in the in the US from, from Vsauce too. Um, hopefully he's wearing it. You know, maybe we should say to our listeners, if anyone wants one of these hats, uh, put it in the chat and we'll uh, consider producing some more. If we get enough, maybe we can start getting some merch happening. It's a good idea. I might. Uh, well, I am wearing the shirt. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, I think yeah. You're, you're more of a hat. If, if anything, I feel like you chuck a hat and your hat is like a signature move because every time I see you, you're always wearing a hat. All right, I'll lean into that. Let's do that. All day, every day, night. I'm going to sleep in it. <laughs> well, that Ned does actually also sleep in a truck, so that <laughs> makes 
<laughs> Betsy, she's a good truck. Hey, actually, you know what I was thinking? You know, when you mentioned String that, um, you know, you haven't spent enough time with me to work out what my fried chicken is. To help mm-hmm. to help the people listening work out what their fried chicken is, what are two or three things they should ask themselves to determine what should what should be their fried chicken? What is the thing that you won't get sick of? Imagine like um, talking about it every day, every minute, and people want to talk to you about that thing. So you can't get sick of it. You need to be super passionate about it and okay with it. Um, in the next 10 years. <laughs> so does that also mean that when you're trying to tell someone something business-related about branding and they continue to ask you about chickens, do you ever think, damn, maybe I should have put something no. on here? Or you're like, no, that's fine. I'll talk about chickens all day, every day. Yeah, because like, like we're talking about chicken, but I think we're very meta about it because we're talking about how to use it for branding. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, and I use it for quarter actions, I play games with it, I give away fried chicken, like it has to be something that you're really, really passionate about and something that you want to be associated with. String, if you were to give people who are listening three top tips, because we do this every show, for success, what would they be? Think like a business. Oh, yeah. Really, number one, think like a business. That's the number one thing that creatives don't do properly. They don't think like a business. Two, think like a business. And three, scale. Okay, can you quickly just touch on what 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 do you mean scale? Like uh, we're our own bottlenecks. So you, if you could scale yourself out, awesome. But there are aspects of you that you can't scale, which is your personality, nice. and there are other things that you can scale, right? Like someone looking after your um, your social media accounts if you need to be, but you can't scale you. But there are many things that you can scale that you could like delegate and give to someone else. This is how you build a team. It's really good advice. Think like a business. Think like a business. Scale. Yes. Um, if you want to think like a business, think of it as like a, what is the funnel that I need to create or what is the product I need to create and how do I push people to that product? Brilliant. Really simple, right? But it's like something that we need to optimize all the time. So good. String, you always sort of hurt my brain a little bit in a good way um, and I have so much more that we could keep asking but I, I think we've kind of yeah hurt my brain enough for today um it's, it's what always, do you mean like i hurt your brain like, no, in um, a good way like it, my brain is is always um reinvigorated and thinking about what we can do and how we can help creators as well with some of the, the you know the, the the way you put things um in a really clear way to understand which i clearly just didn't do then but yeah so and let, <laughs> with that rambling i um string Suze, susie suzanne struzanne struzanne yeah fried that's chicken, like i stick fried chicken girl thank you so much for joining us on creator generation and just real lastly i dug my hat out of the uh my backpack and i'm now wearing the uh youtube tracker hat i'll get my uh, yeah yeah i'm glad that you are i'm bringing out my fried chicken pillow awesome. It's saying bye. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, String. Thanks, String. Create the generation on the mic.